Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Welcome. It's good to see you today. And I'm so blessed that you're here. Thank you. And those of you that are watching online, I was just scrolling down a few minutes ago to see all the wonderful people on our online church. We are thankful for you. Father's House, would you welcome those that are online today that are watching? We're so thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you want to open your Bibles, open to Psalm chapter 55. And as you're doing that, if you hold your Bible up, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever you use to read, and let's make our confession together. Let's say it. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today, I receive the Word. I confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient. And I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you. We thank you today for uh, your presence. And Lord, as we look into this passage today, we ask you to speak to us because I think all of us will be able to identify with David and we'll learn something. Lord, when you laid this on my heart about five weeks ago, you said that um, it wouldn't be an accident the people that are here today and those that are watching online. So I pray you'd help me to say what you want me to say. Help me not to say the things that I shouldn't say. And I confess, Holy Spirit, that I need you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me give you a little bit of a a history quiz. And let me ask you this question. Can you tell me what happened on May 15th in the year 44 B.C.? Now, I know that's probably before most of us were born, right? Uh, This might help the Ides of March. You remember that? On May 15th, 44 B.C., Julius Caesar was assassinated. Let me give you a little background. I know those of you who've in high school had to read some of Shakespeare's things, you remember about Julius Caesar. He was very famous in the Roman Empire. He eventually, he was a general, he eventually rose to the uh, level of emperor, and they, because of his popularity, they made him emperor for life. But some of those that are senators began to get jealous and afraid that he might become a dictator and that he would abolish the Senate. So in their paranoia, they decided that they would kill him and destroy him. So on May 15th, 44 BC, there was an assassination attempt on his life. He was unarmed and he held his own against these guys with daggers. He held his own for a while uh, remember, he was in the uh, uh, he was a Roman general in the Roman legions, but he lost it all when he looked up and he saw one of his dear friends and confidants, confidants, Brutus, and he said those famous Latin words, "Et tu, Bruta," in other words, "You too, Brutus." You see, he was holding his own in the battle until he looked up and he saw someone that he loved, that was a conf- that it was somebody that he cared for that had been a confidant in his life all of these years. And history tells us when he saw Brutus, he pulled his cloak up over his head, he fought no more, and he allowed them to put 22 knife wounds into him, and he died. Betrayal is a tough thing. Let me ask you a question today. You don't have to raise your hand, because I know the answer. Have you ever been betrayed? 
betrayed by someone that you loved, someone that you cared for. Maybe it was somebody that was close to you, maybe a friend, and you had all the confidence in them, and then you find that they were talking about you behind your back, and you feel that, that dagger of betrayal of, how could they do that? I thought we were friends. Or maybe it was a business partner, and you had a business partner, and you thought everything was going great and wonderful. Then all of a sudden, you see that maybe they were siphoning money off of the business, or maybe they were stealing, or maybe they were doing something else, or maybe then they just leave you in the midst of that. I was talking to a business owner this week, and she said, you know, sometimes I have people come into my business. I try to train them everything I know. I try to help them get set up. And she said, and then so often it's they betray me because they start siphoning off some of my own clients, and they go start their own business, the pain of betrayal. Some of you, it may have been a family member, someone that you helped Someone that you put money into, you put time into to help. And you thought, man, they all, I'm sure they all appreciate this because I'm, I'm doing everything. Maybe as a dad, maybe as a mom, maybe as a child. And you put all your time in that. And then all you find is that they betrayed you also. Betrayal. That's a tough one. Or maybe it was your parent. Maybe even as a child, you're sitting here today and you're thinking, man, my, my parent just walked off and left me alone. And here I've been raised without a dad or I've been raised without a mom. You know what it's like to feel like somebody betrayed you. Or maybe those of you that are in high school, maybe it's a friend of yours, a friend that you thought was a dear friend, but then you find on social media, they post something about you that betrays you. Or maybe they post a picture that they, sh they, they shouldn't have posted and then everybody knows, and you have to go through that whole shroud of, uh, of feeling so bad and feeling that. Maybe you're a single mother, and you've been desperately praying for a, for a husband, and you think Johnny is the one. But then you find that Johnny, all he wanted to do was get in your pants. And after he got that, then he was willing to leave you and betray you. And that's happened to you over and over and over. And you get to the place that you think, who can I trust? Is there anybody that I can trust? Or maybe someone promised you something, and they said, if you'll stay faithful, if you'll work hard, I'm gonna, you're going to get the next promotion in this business. You're going to be the one that gets promoted. Or somebody says, you know what? If you just keep going on the line that you're going, maybe a family member, I'm going to give you this. This is going to be your inheritance. This is going to be something that will set you up for life. And then all of a sudden, instead of you getting the promotion, you find it's somebody less deserving. Or you find that it's a distant relative that hasn't been involved in your family for a long time and you feel that hurt of betrayal. Or maybe it's in church. Maybe you put your confidence in a pastor or some church member or some church. And in the midst of that, you find that they betrayed you and it hurts very deep. There's something about betrayal that just knocks us flat, right? It's the disbelief, right? Like, how could, I have, how could I have not seen this coming? How is it that I trusted this person? How is it, I put all of my allegiance. How is, how is it that I provided for them? I cared for them. I confided in them, and now they betrayed me. I feel like such a fool. Well, in, in Psalm 55, David experienced that very same thing called betrayal. I want us to look at this passage. He says in chapter 55, verses 12 through 14, it's there in your notes and on the screen. He said, it's not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. 
It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it's you, my equal, my companion, a close friend. And then he says, I remember the good fellowship that we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. I was betrayed by my friend. While he was stretching out his hand of friendship, he was secretly breaking every promise he ever made to me. Betrayal. Betrayal. Now, this afternoon, I pray that you might go ahead and read the historical context of this. It's in 2 Samuel chapters 15 through 17. And here's the picture we'll find. David is a living legend as a king. He's powerful. He's revered as one of the greatest kings in the world. He's not hiding in the caves anymore. He's at the height of his destiny. And what happens is his own son, Absalom, tries to overthrow his kingdom. For four years, Absalom would go out and sit by the city gate. And when people would come in with maybe something to deal with the king, he would say, hey, what's your problem? What's your issue? And they'd say, well, it's this. And he would say, well, if I were king, this is how I would handle this. It's called Absalom's spirit. And so he begins to pull people's heart towards him, away from the kingdom, but towards him. And then he goes to a nearby city about 30 miles away, takes an army, all of these people that he's led into betraying King David, and he has them to anoint him as the new king of Israel. And then David hears the story. David, your son Absalom, has now been crowned king. He has the army. He has the people backing him, and he's on his way to Jerusalem right now, not just to overthrow you, but he's on his way to Jerusalem right now to kill you. David's own son, betrayal. But that wasn't the, that wasn't the hardest part for him. And they said, David, sorry to tell you this. You got to read the story. Ahithophel, your nearest and dearest friend, the one that was close to you, that sat in all the strategy meetings with you, the one that you lifted up and gave a premier position, he has joined with Absalom. And now they're a team. And they're all on their way to overthrow you. And so David runs for his life. And as he runs, he goes by the Mount of Olives. And as he's there at the Mount of Olives, he's throwing dirt on his face, bemoaning, oh, how could this happen to me? What am I going to do? How am I going to turn this? How am I going to save my life? How am I going to do all of this? And so in the midst of that, then he writes Psalm 55. And he's simply saying, how am I going to recover? How will I ever get back on my feet again? You know that, don't you? When that betrayal happened, maybe it was a divorce, maybe whatever, you lost your job, somebody wiggled their way in between and through all of that. And so you look at that and you say, how am I going to handle this? How am I going to get over this? How am I going to get over the words that people are saying? What's going to happen? So what do you do? How do you handle something like that? Well, let me give you some suggestions. I'm not saying all of these are great. But here's the first thing if you want to fill in in your notes. You can just leave them alone. Say, leave them alone. So maybe they'll hang themselves like Judas and go straight to hell. Some people you don't need to destroy. They're going to self-destruct automatically. Or maybe you say, you know what? Let's do payback. 
I'm going to pay them back on social media. Isn't that what social media is all about? And so you pick up with the, the keyboard, and you begin clicking out, and you're saying, oh, such and such person betrayed me. This is what they did, and this is how they do it. And so then all of a sudden, you either have people that are for you or people that are against you. And so you're leading all of this. You're going to pay them back on social media. Or maybe you develop a revenge plan. I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. And I just pray God would send them to hell right now because that's what they deserve. In fact, that's how David prays here in verse 9 and 15. He says, God, confuse them until they quarrel among themselves. Destroy them with their own violent strife and slander. Now desolation and darkness has come upon you. May you and all of those like you be descended to the pit of hell. He's basically saying there go to hell. Since evil has been your home, may now evil bury you alive. Or, here's another thing. You might just want to run away. You just say, you know what? I've had it. I've had enough. I'm giving up on church. I'm giving up on everybody who says they're a Christian. I'm giving up on men. I'm giving up on women. I'm giving up on this company, this boss. I'm giving up on what I thought was my destiny, what was my purpose. And it looks like that in the midst of that, I've been more betrayed than I was ever before. So I'm just going to run away. David knows what you felt like. Some of you are sitting here today. And that's exactly how you're feeling. You've made ideas and you've made thoughts about how can I get out of this? How can I do that? And it's not confronting and or dealing with it. You just said, I want to run away. I'm tired. I want to give it all up. Or maybe if you thought the ultimate run away, I'm just going to take my life. There's no way that I can ever get over this. There's no way that I can ever be who God wants me to be. Here's what David said in verse 6 and 7. I say to myself, if only I could fly away from all of this. If only I could run away to a place of rest and peace, I would run far away where no one could find me, escaping to the wilderness retreat. He says, I can't take this any longer. I've heard the murmuring. I've seen the posts on social media. I've heard the words that people, people so misunderstand me, they don't even know. I tell you, I just want to get away from everybody. I don't want to go to school anymore. I don't want to go to work anymore. I don't want to go to church anymore. I just want to get away from it all because I don't want to look at another person. I don't want to be reminded of the betrayal. I don't want to be reminded of the person who said that they love me. And then I have a child and they leave me and they leave me on that. And I've spent all of my life trying to raise my family the best I can. And you feel that heart of betrayal that sometimes I just like to run away. David's prayer here is all heartbreaking, isn't it? But between verses 15 and 16, there's a pregnant pause. In the first 15 verses, David said, this is not fair. It's not right. Why didn't I see this happen? How could I be so foolish that I trusted this person? And, but in then verse 16, it all changes. You say, well, what happened? Here's what I believe that happened. I believe there on the Mount of Olives, David probably was on his face in the dirt, crying and weeping. As parents, when a, when a child of ours does something wrong, we feel that hurt, like, why, did, why couldn't I have done better as a parent? How could I not have raised them better? How couldn't I have seen this happen all of these times? And I believe he got to the place, Ahithophel, you were my best friend. If I couldn't trust you, who could I trust? If I couldn't trust this church, who could I trust? If I couldn't trust my parent, who could I trust? And I believe there in the dust that David ran out of words. 
and he was just weeping. He was just moaning. I have no future. God, you said I was going to be a king, and from my, from my lineage would be the king of kings. And I guess I've blown it all because it didn't matter this. But I believe in the midst of his weeping, in the midst of his distress, when he didn't know what else to do. I mean, what do you do at a time like that? I believe the Lord dropped a thought into his mind. Now, I'm sure God didn't say this, but here's what I sort of feel like God is saying. I hear you, David. But let me remind you, this is not your first rodeo. You've been to a place like this before. You faced Goliath when nobody else had your back. And I helped you. I helped you. You was running from Saul. You hid in a cave. You spent all of your life doing that. And guess what? I provided for you, and I brought you out. And so what can we learn from David's betrayal as we look at the rest of this passage? Well, first of all, here's what I think David would say to us if he was here this morning. He'd say, take your time and call on the Lord. Call on the Lord. Call on the Lord. Look at this, verses 16 through 19. But as for me, here's what I'm going to do. I've been weeping. I've been crying. I've been thinking that there was no hope. But here's what I'm going to do right now. I will call upon the Lord to save me. And I know he what? Will. Every evening, I will explain my need to him. Every morning, I will move my soul toward him. Every waking hour, I will worship only him. And he will hear and respond to my cry. Though many wish to fight. And the tide of the battle turns against me. By your power, I will be safe and secure. Peace will be my portion. God himself will hear me. God enthroned through everlasting ages. The God of unchanging faithfulness. He will put them in their place. All those who refuse to love and revere him. Pause in his presence. Or the old King James Selah right there. What is he saying? He says, look. Stop and pray. You don't have to understand why it happened, how it happened. You've been stabbed in the back, but right now you need peace. You're in the middle of a message. You're in the middle of a mess, and you need God. He said, God's going to deliver you. He's going to deliver you through this divorce. He's going to deliver you through losing your job. He's going to deliver you through this backstabbing from Ahithophel. All you need to do is just turn, say, Lord, I give him my hurt. I give him my pain. I give him my disappointment today. A great well-known man once said, I've been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. That was Abraham Lincoln. He was saying, I face a situation. I don't know what to do. But he said, that fish situation has done one thing. It's driven me to my knees to call upon God, to call upon God, to call upon God. Second of all, we can learn from David this. I'm going to cast all my cares and anxieties on the Lord. Cast all your cares and anxieties on the Lord. Look at verse 22. So here's what I've learned through it all. Leave all your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord. And measureless grace will strengthen you. You've been there. Didn't know what you were going to do. You prayed. You talked to the Lord. 
He said, Lord, I'm just giving it all to you because there's no other way to go. Then all of a sudden, this miracle, that this feeling of this measureless grace of God, it's like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to come through this. 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, casting all you care upon him, for he cares for you. Here's what you need to know. Betrayal opens the door to seeing miracles in your life. Wow. Would you read that with me? Betrayal opens the door to seeing miracles in your life. What is a miracle? A miracle is when God does something so special that it can't be explained except it was God. It was God. True story of Helen Roosevelt, who was a doctor missionary from England to Zaire, Africa, near the equator. She said, one night in our clinic, we were working with a mother that was in labor. But in spite of all that we could do, she died. And she left us with a premature baby and a two-year-old crying daughter. She said, we did everything we, had, we could. She said, we had no incubator because we had no electricity, even if we had an incubator. So she said, I told one of the student, mid, student midwives, go get a blanket to wrap the child in and get the uh, water bottle, fill it with warm water to keep the baby warm in this cold weather. And so the nurse came back and said, I'm so sorry, I've got the blanket. But the baby bottle, I mean, the, the hot water bottle exploded because it deteriorated and we have none. So she said, that night I said to her, okay, I want you to lay near the baby, the premature baby, keep the baby wrapped up, and I want you to stay between the baby and the breeze that's there because we got to save this baby's life. She said, the next morning at the orphanage, I gathered the kids together, some 40 or 50, and she said, I gave them different prayer points of what to pray. She said, I explained to them about the baby, explained to them that we don't have a warm bo uh, water bottle to keep the baby warm. And she said, I explained the severity of that. <clears throat> she said, then, as I always do, I let the children pray. She said, little 10-year-old Ruth prayed this blunt prayer. Please, God, send us a water bottle. It'll be no good tomorrow. The baby will be dead. So please send it this afternoon. The missionary said, I gasp. And how could I help her with the disappointment when there are nothing will come this afternoon? But she said she didn't stop her prayer there. She prayed this even louder. And God, while you're at it, please send a dolly for the little girl so she will know that you love her. Wow. The missionary said, how could I say amen to a prayer like that? I couldn't believe she said, I haven't received a box or anything for the four years that I've been here. No one has sent us any supplies. And how, how could I believe that would happen? She says, halfway through the afternoon <clears throat> when I was teaching in the nurse's training school, she said, they came to me and said, a car just pulled up in front of the building. And they left a big box. It's a huge box. So she said, I went and I looked and I saw the box, saw that it was for my Sunday school class back in America. And she thought, I can't open this box by myself. So she said, I invited some of the orphans to come in. And she said, there were 30 or 40 of them there as we looked at that 22-pound box. She said, as I opened it up, at the top there were knitted jerseys. There was a box of raisins and there was crackers. And she said, I put my hand down into the box to see what else I could find. I couldn't believe it. 
She said, here it was, a brand new rubber hot water bottle. God had sent the bottle. Little Ruth said, oh, let me see. If God sent the bottle, then I know he also sent the baby doll. And she scrummaged through the thing and pulled out a baby doll. She said, ma'am, can I go with you to give this little dolly to that little girl so she'll know that Jesus loved her? The missionary said, that box of supplies left five months prior, packed by my Sunday school class. And how would they know that we needed a miracle of a hot water bottle? How would they have known about the little girl with the little doll so that somebody could say, Jesus loves you in the midst of everything that you've lost? She said it was five months earlier that God laid on their heart knowing what we would face and it would come on the very day that little Ruth prayed that prayer for a miracle. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Isaiah 65 and 24 and it's a verse for some of you today. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. In other words, you've been betrayed. You've gone through things. But you know what? Prior to you going through that, God has already planned out the provision and the restoration, how that he's going to take you to the next level of his blessings. That's the God we serve. That's the God who does miracles in the midst of all the crisis. Two weeks ago, sitting on the table with a couple of businessmen as we were going through this uh, life groups, and they began talking about being a business owner and people betraying them, and they lose their business or they get sued or do something else. And then each one of them sat there at the table and it said simply this, but you know what? I'm better off today than I was before that. Did it hurt? Yes. Does it still hurt? Yes. But I'm better off today. Why? Because before you ever called, before you ever turned it over to God, he said, okay, I see your heart. Your heart's, not, your heart's right, and I'm going to play it out here, and I'm going to take you farther than you've ever been before. Here's the third thing. Continually trust. Say that with me. Continually trust. God in the process. Process. We don't like process. Who likes to wait? Not me. I don't like process. I like to pray and boom, it happens. But that was five months, the process that God knew at the exact time. He doesn't fail us. This is what David says in verse 23. He will watch over his devoted lovers. How many of you are a devoted lover? I mean, you love him. You love him so much today. He'll never let them slip or be overthrown. He will send all of my enemies to the pit of destruction. Murderers, liars, betrayers will face an ultimate untimely death. Look at this. Read this with me. My life's hope and trust is in you, and you'll never fail to rescue me. If we say we trust Jesus for our eternal life, why can't we trust him to bring justice and vengeance in the areas that need to be brought? Or why can't we trust him to balance the books? 
Our heart is not revenge. Our heart is, God, you've seen what's happened. You've seen the betrayal. You see where we are. But regardless of what's going on in the process, I will trust you and you will rescue me. Forgiveness is the highest goal of trusting God's sovereignty. Forgiveness is the highest goal of trusting God's sovereignty. Forgiving people for what they've done to you. That doesn't mean that you'll be reconciled to them. There are people that wronged you and you've been wanting to be reconciled. But it may not be that you'll be reconciled to them. Why would you go back to trust somebody who did you in? Trust is something that we give, but then when people take advantage of that, they have to earn that trust back. So I'm just simply saying to them, I'm going to put my trust in him. In a, in a college, there was a professor of philosophy who was an avowed atheist, and he was a member of the ACLU, and he, he had a class that everybody had to take their freshman year, and he would always love to challenge the Christians, the young Christians that were in the group, and he would say to them, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to pray right now and ask God if he's real to just knock me off this chair. And he'd stand up on a chair. He did that every semester. And he would look up at the ceiling and say, God, I'm going to give you exactly 15 minutes to knock me off of this chair. And then you could hear a pin drop with the students. So he's standing on the chair. Every year he did that to the young Christians. When it got down to 10 minutes left, okay, God, 10 minutes left. Knock me off the chair if you're real. Got down to the last couple of minutes. All right, God, if you're real, knock me off the chair. About that time, a young Marine got up from his chair and he walked up to where the professor was and he cold cocked him and knocked him off the chair. <laughs> the professor was out cold. The Marine went back to his seat and sat there silently. The other students sat in shock and silence. Eventually, the professor, noticeably shaking, came back and said, What the is the matter with you? Why did you do that? The Marine calmly replied, God was too busy with our, taking care of our boys and girls in the military, so he sent me. Whatever you're going through, you can trust him. He doesn't want to just get you out of betrayal, but he wants to take you to your future. You thought you loved Johnny and he was the one and he betrayed you. And you've been praying, oh God, send Johnny back into my life. But what if God's got a Paul out there that's better than Johnny? You've been praying, God, it's not fair how, I was, how I was, the promotion was stolen from me. God, that, that's not fair. I want that promotion. I want that job back. But what if God's got a better job for you? What if God's got a better destiny for you? Betrayal, look at this. Betrayal is often God's vehicle to reposition you. Betrayal is often God's position to, vehicle to reposition you. I mean, you wouldn't be where you are now. If that person hadn't betrayed you, you wouldn't be in this church now if that church hadn't betrayed you. Betrayal is a gift that nobody wants, 
but it repositions you into greatness. I got more betrayals than I'd like to talk about. It's not today to whine about betrayals. It's just that I know this. Every time in the life of the church or me individually that I faced betrayal and that I could keep the right attitude, guess what? God pulls me through that and he gives me something better than I could have ever thought of in my entire life. And if you'll think about it right now, some of you that have been through betrayal, and if you've allowed God to help you, and you're not still chewing the cud of that. I mean, every time you see somebody or, or you hear about it, you, you go back to that thing that happened 20 or 30 years ago and think, if only they hadn't walked out on me, if only I hadn't been betrayed, if only they hadn't tried to steal my clients or my customers, what would happen, where would I be today? I'm going to tell you where you would be today. You would be at less because God had a plan for you before that ever happened, and he's repositioning you into something better. Remember the story of Joseph? Betrayed by his brothers, betrayed in the prison, betrayed again and again and again. But in the midst of all that, keeping his heart right. And what does God do? God says, I'm going to put you into the next highest position under the Pharaoh. And I'm going to give you wisdom. And you're going to make sure that Egypt doesn't go under. And not only that, but you're going to be able to feed your brothers and sisters and all Israel. But it didn't happen without betrayal. It was betrayal that positioned him into that greatness. Think about Jesus. Betrayed by Judas. Betrayed by the court. Betrayed by Pilate. Betrayed by the Romans, crucified, but it positioned him to be the savior of your life and my life. Betrayal is the gift that no one wants. You see, when people betray you, they're not throwing you to the wayside, but they're throwing you forward into God's plan. David continued. Absalom was killed. Ahithophel was killed. Actually killed himself, just like Judas. His son Solomon took the throne, became the wisest king to ever live, and through David's lineage, led to the birth of Christ, the Redeemer, and all will come to him. David didn't misplace his trust. In between services today, as I was praying, I said, Lord, is there something I missed? Is there something I should have said? And the Lord said, there will be some betrayers that's in this house or watching online. And he said, you need to remind them of how sad it would be if all the good they did in their life would never be remembered. Do you remember Benedict Arnold? Do you know that he was a major general? An awesome man. When you think about Benedict Arnold, what do you think of? Traitor. Betrayer. Absalom. We hear people in the church world say, that person has an Absalom spirit. 
behind the back of the pastor or the leader, they're pulling people towards them, pulling people towards them. An Absalom spirit. You do not want to live a life as a betrayer. You, bought, you brought betrayal to someone. You need to go to God, get that right, and let him forgive you. He'll send you to that person, and you'll have to deal with that. His name was Peter. He betrayed Jesus three times. In fact, he cussed. Blankety-blank-blank, I don't know that blankety-blank-blank-blank man. And then when he realized what he did, he ran, he wept. I don't ever want to be in ministry. I'm going back to fishing. I was a failure in what I tried to do. But when Jesus is resurrected, he said, would you tell the disciples and Peter to meet me in Galilee? Maybe you are one of those today. And the Lord is saying, I want to meet you today. I want to help you to get forgiveness and move on with your life. In the notes at the very end, I say, here's what I'd recommend maybe for next steps as Pastor Tim was talking about. Take a block of time and remember specifically the event that caused you pain. Recall not just the event, but how it made you feel. Consider also what you would do to the person who caused you the pain. Then phrase the whole thing in a prayer. Give it to God and pray David's prayer. Pray the prayer in the notes that are here today. Then second of all, I would encourage you this. Get back to doing your work. Get back to who God called you to be. And this morning say, thank you, God, for betrayal. I don't understand it, but I'm going to praise you regardless because I know you have my life. I want to pray for you today. Maybe you're here and you've never invited Jesus into your heart and into your life. Boy, that's the place you want to start. Man, you don't want to handle betrayal on your own. When I look back at the betrayals in my life, I think, had it not been for the Lord, I would have taken my life. I honestly would have taken my life. But in the midst of that, he came to me in my brokenness, in my hurt, and in my pain. And he began showing me glimpses of what he could do with me if my heart was right. He said to me as I went through something once, and he said, if you'll never allow unforgiveness or bitterness in your heart over this situation, I'll restore everything the enemy's taken from you in greater quality and in greater quantity. But you've got to keep your heart right, Terry. I, I balance the books, not you. So here at the Father's house, we always say we take the high road. Somebody might post something on social media, or they might say something. People say, hey, have you heard what so-and-so is saying? We don't go to social media and fight with people on social media. We just take the high road. We say, oh, God, you know the truth. You see it. I'm trusting in you. But if you don't know Jesus, how are you going to handle that? 
If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your heart and into your life, every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just raise your hand and say right now, that's me. I need Jesus. Just lift your hand. That's me. Those of you that are watching online, that's me. I need Jesus. I need him today. I need him. Or maybe years ago you knew him and you've gone away from him and today he's saying, it's time. It's time to come back, back to me. Just lift your hand. Let me pray with you today. Pray this prayer with me today. Father God, thank you for loving me, for caring for me. I repent of my sins and I ask you to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, before we rush out, and those of you that are going to go with us on the ride, you don't have time to lollygag. You've got to go straight to your bike out there, and uh, we've got to take off. So as soon as you do that. But before you leave, I want to pray for you. Because there's some of you here that have been betrayed, and you're still struggling with that. I'm going to ask you to do something very brave very honest maybe it's a parent maybe it's a job or maybe it's a spouse or whatever but if you've been betrayed and you don't feel like you've ever been healed of that or maybe today God brought that back up and said you know I, I, I've got even something better for you I'd like for you to stand just stand right now I'm not going to embarrass you I'm not going to ask you to do anything I just want to pray with you I want to pray with you today thank you thank you those of you that are online raise your hand Maybe it was a spouse. Maybe it was somebody who abused you. Maybe it was somebody in school. Maybe it was a job. Maybe it was a relative. I want to pray for you. Betrayal. Betrayal. The gift that nobody wants. Lord Jesus, I've left everything today here that you've asked me to leave. I'm not responsible for the results. I'm only responsible for delivering the message. I pray today those that their heart is hurting so bad right now, even for those that didn't stand that you laid on their heart and they're already almost in tears just sitting, thinking, why didn't I stand? And I ask you right now, Lord, to heal broken hearts. I ask you right now to restore hope that things can change and get better. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. We thank you. Did this make sense to you today? Did you get anything out of this? Would you stand? It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.